Turn, if you would, this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the music that we have enjoyed. Thank you that we could be reminded of your blood that was shed on our behalf. Lord, the fact that you loved us enough to give your life for us, that's an amazing thing, and I pray that you'd help us to be mindful of that today. God, I pray that you would use this message to be a help uh, to each of us. God, it's a very simple truth, but a very needed truth, and I pray that you'd help us to give attention to it today. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. A little over 20 years ago, I was a student in Bible college there in Springfield, Missouri. And about that time, I would have been 22, 23 years old, and most of my classmates would have been around that same age, some a little younger, some a little older, but certainly for the most part in that same ballpark by way of age. And during those years of Bible college, I had a couple of professors who did something that at the time seemed a little bit odd, but today I see the wisdom of it. As I sat there as a 21, 22, 23-year-old young person, I was listening to a couple of my professors talk to us as a class about the subject of retirement. Now, when you're 21, 22, 23 years old, you're not really thinking about retirement. You're ready to get out of college so that you can get to a church so that you can start working and things of that nature. And so it was kind of hard to process the idea that I needed to think about retirement. But for whatever reason, their words made sense and it clicked with me that I probably ought to do something. And so based upon the advice and based upon the recommendation of one professor in particular, I contacted an investment company told them what line of work I was in or what line of work I would soon be entering into, and I told them that I wanted to start some kind of a retirement account with them. So if you've ever done something like that, you know that they're going to begin asking you a host of questions. What are your goals? What do you hope to accomplish? When do you hope to retire? And so, you know, as a 20-something-year-old young kid, I didn't know. I was just saying what I thought made sense and what sounded smart and what hopefully wouldn't make me look too foolish to them. And so I answered all their questions, and then they would explain certain things to me. The advisor that I spoke to, one of the things that they explained was this, is that there are certain levels of risk you can take as an investor. You can play it safe, or you can be aggressive, or you can be somewhere in the middle. And they explain that depending upon your willingness to take risk, that will probably influence what kind of return you have. If you play it safe, you'll get a small return. If you're willing to risk a lot, there's a good chance that you'll also make a better return. And so being 20-something years old, thinking I've got 45 years or better to uh, make this thing work, I said, well, let's go aggressive. And so for the last several years, we've been investing in the stock market to some extent, I guess, an aggressive Stocks. I don't even know what that means. I just said, let's do aggressive. Sounds fun. So we are involved in the stock market to an extent uh, with 
my IRA, and, and it's in an aggressive account, and, and the hope and the idea is this, is that someday it will yield a return that will be to our advantage. Nothing's guaranteed, you understand that, from the perspective of the stock market, but that's the hope and that's the plan and that's the dream that at some point, if I need to retire, that there would be money enough to at least make life somewhat comfortable. Now, in all of that, there was this word of advice that I received from the professor about my IRA. And what the advice was, was this. Just put the money in there and don't pay any attention to it. Some days, it'll look like you're doing really, really, really good. And other days, it'll look like you're doing very, very, very bad. He said, you've got a lot of time to be invested in this. The market will go up. The market will go down. It'll flatline at times. And so what he said was this, is just put the money in there and forget about it. And when you get older, that's when you need to start paying a little bit more attention to it. Now, he did not use these exact words, but essentially what the professor said to me was this. You have to trust the process. You have to trust the process. To an extent, you have to be willing to trust the process. You have to be willing to put your money in there and believe that people are going to invest it wisely and that in the years to come it will bring forth a return that you will be happy with. You have to trust the process. Now, let me be honest and tell you, there have been days that it has been difficult to trust the process. I would rather take the money and I would rather just spend it on myself in the immediate and I would rather not look long term ahead and, and think about what will be down the road some 25 years from now or whatever it may be. There are times that I don't want to trust the process, but I have to remind myself, no, trust the process. Do not give up on the process because the testimonies of those who have stayed with the process more times than not would be testimonies of gratefulness and thankfulness that they did so. Now, where is this headed? Well, this morning we're going to look at a familiar portion of Scripture to many of us. But if you're like me, you might say to yourself, I'm familiar with it, but it doesn't mean I understand it. I've read it, but it doesn't mean that I know what Solomon was talking about. And I would say that I was in that category for sure until this week. And even as I approach the subject this morning, as I approach the text here in the next couple of moments, some of you may say something like this. Well, I heard that passage preached one time, and this is what the pastor said, or this is what the preacher said, and, and, and there may be validity to what that preacher said. I'm not here saying that whatever you may have heard in the past is absolutely incorrect, but I would say this, based upon the reading and the studying that I've done this week, I am comfortable, obviously, with what I'm about to preach to you, and I think there is merit to what I'm about to say, or I would not be preaching it today, but I would say this, that there are times that in reading the Scripture, that if you do so from the 21st century United States of America perspective, there's a chance you're going to miss what Solomon was communicating several thousand years ago. Does this make sense? 
you know, in the world that we're a part of and the culture that we live in, if all we do is approach the Scripture from our perspective, there are going to be elements of the Scripture that we scratch our heads and say, well, that's just weird, that is crazy, that doesn't make any sense. And so such a passage as what we'll look at in just a moment would be one of those passages. So what is it? Well, it's verse number 1. Verse number 1. Here Solomon makes this statement, Cast thy bread upon the waters. Cast thy bread upon the waters. Now this morning I know that I don't have to spend too much time explaining to you, I trust, what bread is, right? You have several different forms of it, of course, when you and I go to the grocery store. We have the white, we have the wheat, we have the grain, we have the, the, the different types, and you can get different shapes and different sizes. And, and we have all these different breads available to us, and we've got to kind of remember that back in their day, they didn't just run to the local grocery store and pick up their bread. Many of them made their own bread, but I have read this text so many times Cast thy bread upon the water, for thou shalt find it after many days. And I have thought to myself, why would I cast bread on the water? Now, let's just be honest. I mean, I'm only doing that if I'm feeding ducks. And I don't feed ducks on a very regular basis, so why would I cast bread upon the water? And then, just to be very honest with you, to take it a step further, if I did cast bread upon the water, I wouldn't want it coming back to me after many days. Because wet, soggy bread is disgusting. Uh, you know, I mean, if somebody spills their drink on a sandwich and then they said to me, would you like my sandwich, it's all wet and soggy, I would say, well, of course I don't want that. That's disgusting. So I've read this verse, cast thy bread upon the waters and thou shalt find it after many days. I've thought to myself, if I cast my bread on the water, you can keep the bread. I don't want it. So then the question is, is what was Solomon talking about and what was Solomon suggesting in all this? So here is where I had to go back in my mind and in my thought process several thousand years ago and remind myself that not everyone just ran to the local grocery store and picked up their bread and their supplies for the week, but there was actually a time where people made their own bread from the products that they had grown in their own gardens or their own fields or their own crops. Now, please excuse some of my ignorance from a lack of exposure to this process and what I'm about to say, but here is what I roughly understand. That in order to get bread, that in order to get different supplies that make up certain foods, here is what I understand, that there are certain products that in their raw state or in their raw condition, they have to be processed to make ingredients that would make up other things, correct? Does this sound right or are you as ignorant about the process as I am? Okay, if, if you took the corn, you would have to do certain things to that corn to make it useful in other cooking products or in other recipes that one may want to use. If someone had wheat, they would have to do something and process that wheat to make it into something that was actually usable for recipes and things that would be made by those products, right? Okay, y'all aren't helping me much, so... Either you don't know or I'm completely off base. But I read about it, okay? I Wikipedia did it. it, it and uh, 
they said I'm right. Okay. So if you think about it, this process has to take place where you take it from its raw state to where you can use it as a usable ingredient. But here is what, again, I think some of us know as it relates to some of these products, that in order to have seed for a future harvest, you cannot process that product for an immediate meal or an immediate usage or consumption of that product. Okay, so whether it be corn, whether it be flour or something else of that nature, what do you have to do? You have to sacrifice a certain portion of that crop that would have been available to you for consumption at that moment. You had to sacrifice that so that you could take the seed of it so that you might reinvest it in the ground which is what the farmers would have done in their day. And here is what they would have done according to the pictures that are painted by certain people who are scholars. What you would have is this, is that you would have the farmer or you would have the one who, who worked the fields. They would have a bag over their shoulder and inside this bag would be the seed. And here is what they would do is they would go along the, the, the area that would be the crops where the, the farm's land would be planted. Okay, here's what they would do. They'd reach into that pouch and they'd take the seed and they would just cast it out there and they would throw it out there. And so whenever Solomon said, cast thy bread upon the waters, what he was saying is this is what you want to do is you want to take that seed that could have otherwise been used for the production of bread, for the consumption of meals. What you want to do is you want to take that seed, what would make the bread, and you want to cast it upon the waters or you want to cast it upon the wetlands or the marshy areas or where it would be well watered. And what he said was this, that is, if you will cast your bread upon the waters, thou shalt find it after many days. What does it mean to find something? It means this, to attain it. So after many days, here's what will happen, is you will attain it or you will be able to acquire it once more. What is he suggesting? He is suggesting this, that the seed that is planted, that it will again one day bring forth the harvest. And when you go out and bring forth the harvest, you will then have food once again after many days, but it's a process that you have to be willing to trust. You have to be willing to trust this process that if I take this seed that I could otherwise consume right now and use for my own benefit right now, if I will take this seed and I will actually go out and cast it upon the waters where it will be watered, where it will receive the moisture and the nutrients that it needs, here's what it'll do is it'll actually bring forth the very thing that I need, but it'll only happen in the future. It probably will not happen overnight. Now, as you think about that, I would imagine for people who lived thousands of years ago who really understood this process, I think we could imagine that there were seasons where this would have been easy to do. Meaning... If last year's harvest was plentiful, if last year's harvest was bountiful, it would not be difficult, it would not be hard 
to take some and say, okay, from this we will not process it. From this we will not consume it. We will take this and we will reinvest it in our future, so to speak. There would have been years that in order to do such a thing, that would have been considered very low risk. Because they were doing it from their bounty. They were doing it from a plentiful resource. They were doing it where, from an area where it didn't really require that much from them. But yet there would also have been times in the lives of these people that maybe last year's harvest wasn't so great. They didn't have as much in the cupboard. They didn't have as much in the barn maybe as they had had in years past. And so now they were looking at what they had available to them. And here's what they know. We need to plant, but we've also got this staring us in the face by way of an immediate need, by way of something that is pressing upon us right now. So what did they have to do? They had to, for lack of better words, take a risk and not process this food in the way that they would like to, the raw products, to make the meals for themselves. What they had to do was take the risk so that they could take the seed and reinvest it once more in the ground and trust that in the days to come, the harvest would come forth and the bread that they had cast upon the water after many days would come back to them. There had to be this belief and there had to be this trust and there had to be this confidence that I am going to take what I could otherwise use right now and I am going to actually not use it upon myself in this moment. I am going to reinvest it and I'm going to replant it over here, trusting, let's listen now, trusting that in the future I'll be glad that I made the investment that I made. Now this morning as you think about that, the question could be asked, so was Solomon just writing to some farmers and trying to give them some advice on what to do with their crops and their seeds and things of that nature? And maybe to an extent, Solomon did have farmers in mind and he had families in mind who may have struggled with that. But it's like I've said over the course of the last several months as we've gone through this study, I don't think Solomon was overly worried about certain things of that nature. I think there were certain principles and certain truths of another type that he was trying to communicate using illustrations that they would have been familiar with in their everyday lives. Seems fair, does it not? All right. So you sit here this morning and you say, okay, well, you've spent about 17, 18 minutes explaining all this to us. What does this have to do with me and what purpose would this serve in my life? Well, this morning, here's what I know. Most of you all are not raising gardens so as to provide a raw product for yourself that you can process into ingredients that you can use in your house to sustain you by way of foods, correct? Okay. Most of us are not doing that. I'm not doing that, okay? I'm not casting any bread outside in the waters and hoping that someday it comes back to me in that fashion. I have zero trust in that process for me. All right. So if Solomon had a bigger picture in mind, if Solomon was wanting to communicate something other than just casting bread upon the waters, trusting that in certain days or in many days it would come back to them, if Solomon had something different in mind, how might we be able to apply that to our lives today? Well, I think we could apply it in several different ways, if we want to. Let me start out with one that would be fairly 
I don't know, precious or important to you and I. This morning, for just a moment, let's talk about the subject of money. Most people enjoy money, do they not? Most people do enjoy money. Most people work hard for the money they earn, or at least they believe they work hard for the money they earn. Okay? Now, knowing that most people work hard for the money they earn, this would be the testimony, certainly not of everyone, but it would be the testimony of many, that money is not always in an abundance by way of supply. Sometimes they look at what is coming in as opposed to what is going out, and sometimes they're just thrilled if they can just keep the flow going somewhat uninterrupted. Right? Okay. However, there are times, thankfully, by the grace of God, there's a little extra, there is a little bit more available to us, and and we say, well, thank you, Lord, for a little bit of room there. Thank you for a little bit of flexibility in the finances. But there are also times, is there not, that... Things come along and things come up and circumstances change. And that flow of money where it's coming in and then going out, sometimes we've got a little bit coming in, but we've got more that needs to go out than what's coming in. You ever been there? All right. So whenever the money is coming in, but it's flowing out maybe a bit faster or it needs to be flowing faster than what it's coming in, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but there have been occasions in my life where I have looked at our finances and I've said something like this, where do we need to tighten things up at? Where could we change things by way of our finances to help this flow of financial resources go to wherever it needs to go by the time it needs to be there? And so we look at this, and 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 and we make whatever adjustments we can make to affect the flow of finances. Now, I don't know, again, if this has ever happened to you, but sometimes... In my mind and in my heart, here is what has happened. You tend to get this thought of stinginess that begins to creep in. Meaning, we need and I need and our family needs, and so as a result of me needing, 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 needing. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to then be as giving as when the supply was a bit more abundant. Now, again, I don't know if you've ever had this struggle in your mind, if you've ever wrestled with this, but there have been those thoughts and there have been those ideas that creep in that say things like this, well, don't give, don't do as much. You don't have to do for people like you have in the past. And there may be some legitimacy to that or some validity to it, but, but let me just say this, that what Solomon would convey by way of principle would be this, that in the midst of need, that in the midst of, uh, of looking ahead, here is what you don't want to do. You don't need to get stingy with what you've got. What you actually need to do is take what you've got and be willing to reinvest it even when it may feel like a high-risk proposal. Because if you will take your bread 
and cast it upon the water. If you will take your resources, whatever it is you have that you need, let's just talk about money again for a moment. If you will take that money, though you think you need this worse than something or someone else, if you will take that and in obedience to the Lord reinvest it, you know what will happen? In many days you will attain it or it will come back to you. It's really nothing more here than the law of sowing and reaping. If you will take what you have and you will be willing to reinvest it, if you will be willing to use it in other places, then just for your immediate consumption, at some point in the future, it will pay off. Now, in order for a person to do that with their finances, what do they have to be willing to do? They have to be willing to trust the process. And if you just need to sit and stare at me this morning for a minute, that's fine. But I'm just saying that in order to do this, you have to be willing to trust the process. You have to be willing to trust that God will bless the obedience, that God will bless the discipline, that God will bless the effort to not be consumed with self and to actually be consumed with someone else. Now, see, here's what a lot of people would say to such a mentality. They would say something like this. Well, that's ridiculous. That's nuts. That'll never work. And you know who is usually the one saying that? It's usually the one who is always struggling with their finances and never can quite seem to get ahead in their finances. Because what they do is they take everything they have and rather than reinvesting it, rather than putting it someplace else where God may lead and God may direct, rather than doing that, it's all about them and they can't quite figure out why they are never able to get ahead in life. There's a principle here. Cast your bread. Take your bread. Take the resources you have. Cast them on the waters. Put it in a place where it'll be well-nourished, where it'll be taken care of, where, where it needs to be. And after many days, in many days, in, in the future to come, it will come back to you and you will attain it. For thou shalt find it after many days. Now that thought doesn't seem to have excited any of us, so... Let's move on to another one that will be even less exciting. How many of us have ever felt like, for lack of better words, time was in short supply? But in high demand? I've only got so many hours in a day, you may hear somebody say. You're right. You've only got so many hours in a day, and that is the exact same number that everyone else has in their day. Well, because I've only got so many hours in a day and only have so many hours in a week, I've only got so much time to get things done that here's what I've got to do. I've got to make sure that everything I need to take care of is taken care of. I understand you need to get some things taken care of. I understand that you need to be mindful of what you've got going on. 
But sometimes we need to be reminded of this truth that we need to take what we've got as it relates to our time and give it and cast it upon others, upon other areas of life, trusting the process that after many days, after a certain measure of time, we will attain it or we will find it once more. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but there are some people who are always busy who never get anything done. Have you ever noticed that? And they're always busy about themselves. I've got to do this, 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 and I've got to do this. And it's always about them, and so as to hear them talk, their life is always crazy, hectic, chaotic, and they never really have enough time for anyone else. And yet it's amazing. You take someone who's got a pretty full schedule, and yet they are willing to invest in others, take what resource they have and cast it upon the waters of life, so to speak. It's amazing how some, t- some way they still manage to get done, not only for the others, but for themselves, what needs to be done. <laughs> I'll just give you a little story. I know this is exciting, okay? This past week, we needed to be in Missouri for a funeral. I'll just be honest with you, just to look at it on the calendar and the placement of it and the timing of it, there were other things I could have done. I didn't have to travel 500 miles one way to go to a funeral only to turn around and come back. I didn't have to do that, but I, it was one of those things I felt like needed to be done. Knowing that I had a funeral on Thursday, I had services Wednesday night to be ready for, Sunday school, Sunday morning and Sunday night, family coming into town, there was a lot going on and it would have been very easy for me to just send my condolences to the family in Missouri and say, listen, we'd love to be there, it's just not going to work out, but there was just something within me and Susie that said you got to go. And so we went to the funeral, we spent the time doing what we felt like we were supposed to be doing, and you know what's amazing? I got done with everything this week earlier than I normally get done with it when I don't have all the activity that I had this week. That was just one of those little reminders. Take what you've got. Be willing to cast it, so to speak. Trusting the process that at the right appointed time I will attain it, it will be something that is found, it will come back to me in the way that I need it. You may say, okay, well, I'm just telling you. See, I, I still need the truth of this morning's message because here's what happens tomorrow. I've got a funeral in the morning. And then right after the funeral, guess what Susie and I are doing? We're headed towards Champaign, Illinois. Why? To be with a family whose son passed away so that we can be there and try to be an encouragement to them, to try to be a blessing to them. I really don't have time, quote unquote, for a 14-hour drive up there only to turn around and drive 14 hours back. But, but I've got to trust the process and ask myself, do I believe it or am I just going to do it when it's convenient? 
See, you can sit here this morning and you say, well, I just don't have time. I'm not saying whether or not you do or you don't have the time. I'm just saying this. You might find you had more time if you were willing to take the resources you had and invest it in places that God told you to invest it, like in the lives of other people. He may take what you cast and give it back to you later in ways that you wouldn't have ever dreamed possible. Somebody says, well, Brother Kyle, you still haven't touched on anything that I need this morning. You haven't touched on anything that really relates to me. Have you ever needed emotional support? I mean, just be honest. Have you ever needed emotional support or maybe some encouragement in your life? How about you take what you have available to you and Try to invest in someone else and try to be an encouragement to them, to be supportive to them. Why, why don't you take what you can, what you have available? Well, Brother Kyle, I just don't have anything to give anybody right now. Okay, what you're doing is, is you're taking all your seed and you're hoarding it to yourself saying, no, I, I can't do anything for anybody. Okay, and here's what will happen. You'll never get what you need when you need it until you're willing to start taking what you've got and investing it in other people. Well, that seems so high risk, yes, but the rewards will be much greater than if you play it safe because you'll probably not get much by way of reward. But you've got to be willing to trust the process. I sure could use a blessing right now. Try being a blessing to someone else. Take that bread and cast it upon the water. Because after many days, here's what will happen. You'll find it. So you need to be blessed. Well, try being a blessing. You understand how this principle could work in any area of life? This is what I could use. Then that's probably what you need to give away. Well, this is what I need more of then that's probably what you need to let go of. But you don't understand. Listen, I might. But I know this. There are many people who have tested the process. And the testimonies come back overwhelmingly. Do it. Whatever you've got in your hand, take it. Cast it upon the waters. You will be glad for this reason. At some point in the future, I can't tell you the day, I can't tell you when the harvest will come, but the harvest will come and you will attain exactly what it is you planted at some point in the past. Somebody says, that sounds kind of charismatic, all that planting seeds and, and seed planting faith and all that other stuff that you hear the charismatics say. Listen, I will not let the charismatics rob me of a biblical truth. I won't. Now, if you want to, that's up to you. I'm just saying, to the best of my ability, to the best of my understanding of this scripture, here's what I want to do. I want to take the raw, natural resources that God has given me, whatever it is, and rather than process it all for myself, I want to take some of that and I want to reinvest it in other lives, in other areas where God would lead, trusting that at some point in the future... He will give me exactly what I need 
when I need it, where I need it, to the extent that I need it. And if I will just keep on casting the bread, if I will just keep on planting the seed, then whenever the harvest is needed, God will make sure I've got all I need. And some of you this morning, here's what I believe with all of my heart. You know what it means to cast your bread upon the water. But there are some in this room who, if you'd just be honest, you'd have to say this. You know, I'm kind of stingy with what I've got. I take all of my resources and I just kind of hoard them to myself. And I don't really take what I've been given and and allow it to be given and distributed in other places. I'll just tell you this. So long as you've got that attitude and so long as you've got this spirit, you're going to be involved in in a cycle, really, that's pretty unenjoyable to be a part of. Because it'll always revolve around you and you'll never quite have enough of whatever it is you need. But I'm telling you, if you learn to cast your bread upon the water in whatever area of life you need to do it, I can promise you there will be times that you say with unbelievable joy, how did God do this? God met this need. God provided. God took care of this. God sent this. God was so good to give me this. And you will see a process take place that once you get involved in it, you'll not want to get out of it. I can promise you. Will we cast our bread upon the water, trusting that after many days we will find it, we will attain it, that it will come back to us? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us to be of a heart and of a mind and of a spirit that would allow us to see a a relatively simple principle just worded in a way maybe that we're not quite used to. God, I pray that you'd help us to learn to be generous and giving and obedient when it comes to your leading in our lives of taking what you've given us to invest in the lives of other people, to redistribute it, so to speak. God, trusting that at the right time, at the appointed time, you will bring back to us whatever it is we need. God, if there's anyone in here this morning who would have to admit a measure of stinginess, of of consumption of self, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be convicted, that you'd help us to grow to be generous and to be giving so that we might know your blessings. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.